Well, that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? I'll just make a personal uh, confession here. I don't like to drive. But I hate to drive. I know, and I know some of you really like it, but I hate it. And I, I do it all the time. You know, living in a, in a rural area, we have to travel a little bit, don't we? I mean, to, to, to do at least some of our shopping or, or uh, you know, dining or, or recreation. Uh, it seems like we're always going somewhere. Right? We, we, we go to work, or we go to school, or we, we go to the store. Sometimes we go on vacation. Spring break last year, I drove from here to Destin, Florida, and back, and hated every stinking mile of it. I just don't like to drive. I think it's because I'm impatient. It's not that I'm not a homebody. I mean, I, I don't have anything against being somewhere else or going somewhere else. I just don't want to have to drive to get there. I just want to, to be there. But whether we love to drive or hate to drive or, or really don't care one way or the other, there's, there's one thing that we all have in common, all drivers have in common. We have to obey the laws of the road. There are a lot of them. That's why they give you that book. That's why they make you take a test. You know, I'm not just talking about speeding. The speed limit, I, that's, that's a growth area for me, right? I'm, I'm, I don't have that one down yet. But sometimes you have to yield. Sometimes we have to detour or, or take an exit. Sometimes we, we, we have to go around a roadblock, but those are just things that we, we have to do if we want to get where we're going. Life is a lot like that. It's a journey down a road. And we all have certain destinations that we're trying to get to. Some of us are, are trying desperately to get to, to financial security. Others of us just, we just want to get to a little peace, a little peace of mind. Others want to get to happiness. And obviously we all want to get to the, the greatest destination of all, right? Heaven itself. We're beginning a new series of messages this week called Getting There. And, and we're looking at how to get from where we are to where we want to be. From where we are to where it is we, we want to get to. Because see, we don't have to travel too far along this road of life, to realize that we're going to encounter some roadblocks. We're going to encounter some obstacles, some things that get in our way and impede our progress, keep us from getting from where we are to where we want to be. Those roadblocks are everywhere. Sickness is a roadblock to health. Strife, fighting, issues in our relationships, that's a roadblock to peace. Financial struggles are a roadblock to our security, sometimes our contentment. Worry and stress, roadblocks to happiness. But the truth is, there's one major roadblock that is really the cause of all those other roadblocks. There's one, and unless we understand how real it is, and understand what it is, and why it's a roadblock, and how to get around it, we will never get to where we want to go. Now, that's hard for us to get our heads around. We think just one, everything, all these roadblocks that we encounter on the road of life, all of it flows out of one major roadblock. Well, think about this. The world has made more technological progress in the last 50 years than in the previous 10 centuries put together. Long time ago, when I was in high school, 
Our teachers, our librarians, spent a lot of time teaching us how to use something they called the Reader's Guide to Periodical Literature. And what it was was an index of magazine articles uh, arranged by subject. And it came out several times a year. And they were these big, massive volumes. I mean, think about the thousands of magazines and the tens of thousands of topics that, that they prepare articles on. And, and, and libraries would have shelf after shelf of these things. And we used them for research. If you were doing a, a project or a paper on you know, uh, racism, and you want to know if Time Magazine had any uh, articles about racism, then, then you would go and you would drag these volumes off the shelf, maybe four or five years' worth, and they would cover the table in the library you know, where you were working. And then you would, you'd start flipping through, and you'd find racism, and then you'd scan down for Time Magazine, and then it would give you, uh, it would give you uh, uh, the, the volume, the issue, and the page number, and you'd write all that down. And then you'd take that information, and you'd go to the stacks. You'd go to the, to the periodical section of the library where if you were fortunate, they would have bound issues of previous year's magazines, right? And you would, you'd look all through those and, and find the references. But if your library was really up to date, I mean really technologically advanced, you'd get to use the microfiche reader. You'd get to take a little plastic piece of paper that had hundreds of pages on it and run it under that little thing until you found what you were looking for. You young people ought to be paying attention to this. That's how we found out stuff in the old days. I don't even know if they, they still publish that, uh, that, that, those books, those volumes. But that's how, it was like, what a cumbersome process. We didn't realize it was cumbersome because that's how we did it. But looking back, man, how much time and effort. Today, we've got computers give us access to more information in a single day than the best educated scholars had access to in their entire lifetimes just a generation ago. We can encounter more information in an hour on the computer than the New York Times pub published in every page of every issue of the entire year of 1962. It's amazing. I'm old enough to remember when a long-distance phone call was a really big deal. First of all, you didn't just pick up the phone and call someone long distance. You had to go through the... See, you just, you just showed your age. Yeah. My, my oldest son would be 22 years old before long. He's never used an operator for anything. Never placed a call through. My mom was a telephone operator until it's just like one day there were telephone operators and the next day there weren't. But the, the, the phone would ring and you'd hear that voice saying, I have a person-to-person -person call for and, and you'd get all nervous. Right? You, oh, yeah, yes, we'll, you know, we accept, and, and you talk louder. Hello? Because it was long distance, right? <laughs> but over the Internet, we can have a conversation with anybody anywhere in the world. See and hear them. They can see and hear us. Our cell phones get these invisible signals that allow us to, to talk to people all over the world. And I'll tell you what, what else is happening. Increasingly, people are using their phones to access the Internet. 750 million people access the Internet through their phone. And, and here, this figure blew my mind. 25% of Americans who go online do so exclusively through their phone. They never use a desktop. Desktops are dead, by the way. Desktop, laptop, or tablet computer. Never. 
And that's a figure that's only going to grow. We lag far behind the rest of the world. There are places like Egypt and China where 80% of the people who go on the Internet do so exclusively through their phones. When I was a teenager, portable music. You know what portable music was? You had a couple of options. One, you had a little transistor radio you could hold in your hand um, and had the big pull-out antenna, right? And if you were cheap and just had, you know, if you had the cheap one, it only had AM, and so you could pull in a few stations. If you had a little bit of money, maybe you got the AM, FM, you'd get a few more stations. That was one option. The other option was this huge, I'm not exaggerating, it's the size of this speaker right here, boom box that you carried on your shoulder. You kind of balanced on your shoulder, and you had to do it that way because in your other hand, you had to carry this big suitcase full of cassette tapes. Remember that? Now, iPod, MP3 player, you can strap it around your arm, carry it in the palm of your hand. And increasingly, people are using their phones to access music, downloading music to their phones, accessing Pandora or Rhapsody on their, on their phones. I forget where I was going with all this. Oh, I know now. We live in this time of, of astonishing technological development. Rapid technology, uh, rapid scientific development. But we still can't get rid of racial prejudice or war or hatred, poverty, even slavery. I, I, I read just this week there are 27 million people in slavery around the world, more than ever before. Why is that? Why are there all these roadblocks to where we know we ought to go? To where we know we, we want to go? And, and, and where we know we're trying to go? The cause, the, the ultimate roadblock, is one that will not only keep us from happiness, it can keep us from heaven. It's the roadblock called sin. I lost some of you right there. I lost some of you. I got the mental rolling of the eyes. The oh, brother. Because see, we, we don't talk about sin anymore. We don't ever call something a sin. I mean, that's considered to be a, a social faux pas. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, an etiquette blunder. It just isn't done. No, instead what we try to do is deny it. Pass the buck. Take no blame. It's not our fault. Nobody's a sinner anymore. I mean, how cruel, how, how, how ill-mannered, how narrow-minded of you to suggest that. No, no, what they are is victims. We're victims. We're not responsible for what we do. We're simply the recipients of what happens to us. Well, let me say this before you tune me out if you haven't already. One of the ways we escape blame and escape guilt today is by reclassifying what used to be sin as sickness. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, I, don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I'm not denying that people have 
problems and issues that are organic in nature. We know this, right? We know that there are chemical imbalances and hyperactivity disorders and eating disorders, and there are even personality types that are, that are prone to dependency, that are, that, that are prone to, to um, overuse or become addicted or abuse uh, things. We know that, but listen to this. Listen to me. Drunkenness and drug addiction is sin. Rebellion against authority is sin. Gluttony is sin. A man who throws away his marriage, who throws away his family because he's looking at internet pornography or because he's having an an affair is not a sex addict. He's a sinner. And it hits, I'm not picking on anybody. I just, you know, some of you stare at the tops of your shoes now and say, boy, I wish this was over. Because this hits all of us. This hits every one of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. If you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just say this to you? You need to understand that you have no chance of having a relationship with God and, and, and going to heaven when you leave this earth unless you recognize that there's this roadblock called sin that you've got to deal with. And if you are a follower of Christ, you've got to know that you can't have the kind of fellowship, the kind of relationship with God that you ought to have, that you want to have. And you won't be able to share your story effectively with others so that they can have a relationship with God until you recognize the reality of this roadblock. If you don't get anything else today, make sure you get this. Sin is a roadblock both to our relationship with God and our fellowship with God. Sin's a roadblock to our relationship with God and our fellowship with God. Part of the life mission of every every believer in Jesus is to share their faith. We ought to be sharing our our story in Christ. And it's not just any story. It's, it's It's a story of how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. And when we share our story with other people, one of the things that we need to deal with that's going to help them get to where they need to be, where they want to be, is how to deal with the roadblock of sin. If we want to share the greatest good news ever, how we can have a relationship with God and be in fellowship with God, we've got to get the story straight. That's why we're going to be talking about what we're talking about today in the next three weeks. It's just Gospel 101. It's just, you know, a few weeks ago I asked you to give me the names of three people. Three people that you knew who were far from God or, 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 or weren't involved in any church and, and we just needed to pray for them and, and, and their families and their lives. It runs to single space, almost three pages, over 150 names I'm holding right here in my hand. These are the people you need to be sharing the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about today and for the next three weeks. You need to be sharing it with them. If you're going to invest yourself in their lives, if you're going to to have impact in their lives, if you want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ, you need to know the things that we're going to be talking about. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to the the book of Romans. I love Romans. I love the Bible. I love some of it more than others. Actually, like the book of Numbers and... The book of Leviticus, I don't love them. We're just friends. Um, but I love Romans. And that's why I picked the scripture that I did today. It's a great place to start when sharing our story with others. In fact, 
Billy Graham said, this is the one verse of Scripture that I have shared in every sermon I have ever preached anywhere. It's found in Romans chapter 3. Verse 23. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I want to read that again. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That one verse. That, that first step, that first uh, uh, stepping stone, foundational verse in Gospel 101 can help us deal with God's with, with life's greatest roadblock. God has strategically placed that verse in the Bible because it helps us understand three things. First of all, it helps us understand that sin is a universal problem. Sin is a universal problem. Before we talk about what sin is, you know, we need to understand that it affects everybody. Everyone has sin, the Apostle Paul wrote. All fall short of the glory of God. Sin is universal in who it affects and how it affects us. Physically, sin brings sickness, pain, death to everybody. Emotionally, sin brings guilt. It brings shame. It brings that desire that we have to to hide who we really are and hide what's really going on in us from other people. Spiritually, sin brings separation from God to everybody. To qualify as a sinner, we don't have to be born in a certain country. Our skin doesn't have to be a certain color. We don't have to speak a certain language. We've been to college and got it, uh, you know, and, and studied. We're just an educated sinner. If we're sophisticated, we're just a fashionable sinner. If we make a lot of money, we're just a rich sinner. There simply is no difference. You can be a, you know, you can be a, a liberal sinner or a conservative sinner. You can be a Republican sinner or a Democrat sinner. You can be a drunk sinner or a sober sinner. A married sinner or a single sinner. Our human nature is to make distinctions between people, right? I mean, that's just what we do. We make financial distinctions. There are rich people and there are poor people. We make intellectual dis- distinctions. There are smart people and there are people who couldn't spell cat if you spotted them the C and the A. We make physical distinctions. There are those of us who are handsome and good looking. And there are others of you who are homelier than a pair of bowling shoes. I'm sorry, but it's true. It doesn't mean we don't love you. We make political distinctions. There's liberals and conservatives. We make moral distinctions. There's good people and bad people. But I want you to see, I want you to listen to God level it all out when He says everybody has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of my glory. Everyone, everybody, all. Roll back just a few verses in Romans chapter 3. Go back to verse 10 where Paul says this. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. 
No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Yes, there are, there are differences in degree of sin. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. Sin is sin. I mean, there, what I'm saying is that different sins have different earthly consequences. But there is no difference in the fact of sin. You know, murder is worse than gossip. Stealing a million dollars is worse than stealing one dollar. Committing adultery is, is worse than the thought of adultery. But do not miss this. Stealing is a sin regardless of whether it's one dollar or a million dollars. Murder is a sin whether we kill a human body or we kill a reputation. Adultery is sin whether we do it or we just think about it. That's what Jesus said. We're all in the same boat, folks. Every single one of us. Don't let anybody you know give off the vibe that they're not in that same boat with you and me. And unless we get our heads around it, unless we, we deal with the roadblock in our journey, unless we understand that sin is a universal problem, we'll never get around that roadblock. We'll never get past it. Sin is a universal problem. And then we've got to understand this. We've got to recognize sin as a personal problem. Everybody sinned, okay? We got that. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you've been, ever been around church, you've, you, you've heard sin described as missing the mark. And that's what Paul literally uses a, 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 an archery term from their archery contest of the day. And it described that, that, you know, that archer that would draw the bow back and would release the arrow and completely miss whatever it is he was shooting for, shooting at. So what's the target that we're failing to hit when we sin? What's that, that bullseye that we're supposed to be aiming for that we don't hit? Well, it's found in the, in the, the second half of that verse when it says, God's glorious Standard. Your translation may just say God's glory, but that's what it's about. It's about God's standards. It's about His goodness. It's about His glory. It's about His perfection. You may remember something unusual that happened in the 2004 Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece. It happened in the rifle competition. An American named Matt Emmons, who is to this day one of the best comp competitive shooters in the world, he was leading the field, leading everybody in the 50-meter three-position uh, rifle final. He was up by three points, which is an almost insurmountable lead in shooting competitions. And in his final shot, all he had to do was hit the target anywhere, and he would win his second Olympic gold medal in that event. But he made a critical error. He cross-fired. Yes. He shot at the wrong target. He was supposed to be shooting at the target on lane two, but he hit the target in lane three. And the officials had to rule it a missed mark, and he got a zero. And he fell to eighth place, and not only did he not win a gold medal, he didn't win anything. God's standard 
His bullseye is perfection. See, it didn't matter that Matt Emmons has a track record as one of the best competitive shooters in the world. It didn't matter that he was a world record holder. It didn't matter that he hit a target. He didn't hit the target. It didn't matter that he was trying really hard. It didn't matter that he was doing his best. It didn't matter that he made a valiant effort. It didn't matter that he was striving. You ever know a Christian that's always striving for something? It didn't matter. He missed the mark. Now, this is a scary thought. Anything less than perfection falls short of God's glorious standard. I mean, that's the mark. So what that means is good is not good enough. None of us have ever been, will ever be, or possibly can be good enough to have a relationship with a God who is absolutely perfect because of the roadblock of sin. There's no getting away from it. There's no getting around it. There's no getting past it. Everyone has sinned. It's the one problem every human being is born with. And it goes all the way back to the first people who ever lived, the the people who became the first sinners who ever lived, Adam and Eve. And when they sinned, they passed their sin on to their offspring. And then on to their offspring's offspring. And then on to their offspring's offspring's offspring. And I wonder how long I could do that. Because it goes on and on and on and on and on until it comes down to you and to me. It comes down to us. And guess what? We pass it on to our children. That's why David says in Psalm 51 verse 5, For I was born a sinner. And watch this. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. We sin because we were born to sin. I'm a sinner because I was born to sinful people. Who were born to sinful people? Who were born to sinful people? And on and on it goes. If you've got kids, you know that we don't have to teach a kid to do what's right or what's what's wrong. We have to teach them to do what's right, don't we? I mean, you you never sat little Burford down and and said, now look, listen, Junior. Um, there are going to be times in your life when somebody may ask you a question or you may be you know, talking about something, and it's really going to be to your advantage. It's going to benefit you if you'll just kind of you know, shade that story a little bit, like maybe leave some facts out or, or change the story a little bit or, or you know, um, invent some stuff to put in the story. Uh, that, that'll really benefit you. I think that's a skill you'll find helpful. <laughs> we never had to do that, right? We never had to teach a child to lie. We have to teach them to tell the truth, don't we? You don't have to teach a kid to to fight with their brothers and sisters. Lord knows you have to teach them not to. You see where I'm going? You ever seen an apple with a wormhole in it? We think that that worm bored into that apple from the outside, don't we? But we'll take a knife and cut that apple open and there's no worm in there. You know why? Because that worm didn't bore into that apple from the outside that Worm bored out of that apple from the inside. The egg of that worm was in, put in the bloom before the apple ever formed. The apple grew up around it. 
That's what happens to every one of us. That, that's our condition. That's us. Sin gets passed down from generation to generation, from parent to child, parent to child, parent to child. And so what comes out of us was what was already there to begin with. And if we don't get to the point where we understand that, where we understand that sin is our personal problem and we have to deal with it in a personal way, then we will never get around this roadblock. And let me tell you something, it'll keep us from happiness and it'll keep us from health and it'll keep us from holiness and it can keep us from heaven. When we're sharing our story, somehow, someway in that story, we've got to be clear on that. A person can be religious or not. They can go to church or not. They they can do good or they can never have a thought about doing anything good. Every person is still a sinner and every person has to deal with that roadblock of sin or they will never have a relationship with God. Can I give you a a classic contemporary illustration of what I'm talking about? Poor, Poor little Lindsay Lohan. She's been in the news again. And we... Yeah, we chuckle at the mention of her name. She's just had a bad run the last couple of years, hasn't she? Substance abuse, you know, drunk driving. She's stealing. She's been in and out of rehab. Been sentenced to jail a couple of times. No real change. And here's why. Because Lindsay Lohan's greatest problem is not chemical or emotional or relational or physical. Her greatest problem is spiritual. And she may go to rehab, and she may go to jail. She may find herself in a halfway house, but I'm going to tell you something. The remedy for sin is not rehab. It's not recovery. The remedy for sin is turning away from that sin and putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, whose death and burial and resurrection provides the only way around this roadblock. The only way. that leads us to the third thing that we need to do to address this roadblock in our lives. We need to address sin as a spiritual problem. We've got to address it as a spiritual problem. We know it's a spiritual problem. And the key to it is in the language in Romans 3.23. It says, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But here's what I want you to see. It says, has sinned. That's past tense. That means that's what we've done, right? I've done it. You've done it. That's past tense. But then it says that we fall short. That's in the present tense. So sin is what we've done. Falling short is what we are doing. It it literally means to fall short of a goal line, a finish line. The goal is God's standard, God's perfection. And not only are we not perfect, we never can be. Some of you are thinking that over. Speak for yourself, Pastor Scott. Well, here's a challenge for you. Go one day, one single day, without sinning. I see the wheels turning. I got this. I think I can, I'll take that challenge. I think I can do that. Understand what we're saying. What we're saying is that means you've got to go an entire day without either doing something you shouldn't have done or without neglecting to do something you should have done. 
That means a, a, a single thought that you shouldn't have had, a single action that you shouldn't have taken, and you've missed the standard. If you are not absolutely perfect at every moment of that day, you miss the standard. That's where we are. We're like Dennis the Menace. He got in trouble all the time, right? Every single comic strip seemed like Dennis is getting in trouble for something. And one of them, his mom's putting him in the corner because he's misbehaved. And Dennis says to her, I'm not good at being bad. I'm just bad at being good. But that's us, folks. It's not that we necessarily set out to be bad, to do bad. It's just that we're no good at being good. And even if we are a little bit good at being good, we can't be good enough. Because the standard, the goal, is perfection. We all fall short of a standard that is impossible for any of us to reach. Now let me tell you, if I stopped right now, this is not good news. If I stopped right now, you wouldn't leave here going, oh, good word today, Pastor. Thanks for that. So I'm not going to stop. Give me another minute. There's only one remedy for the roadblock of sin, and it's the core of that story that we need to be sharing with the people on our list with those names that you gave me, that, that we're praying for. It's the greatest news in the world. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way around that roadblock. The cross of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus met God's standard. Sinless. Perfect. He lived a perfect life. And then the sinless man died for sinful people. The perfect man died for imperfect people. And we can turn away from our sin. And we can call on His name. And we can receive forgiveness so that we can have a permanent relationship with God. Jesus is the remedy for the roadblock. We're going to come back to these verses here in a couple weeks. But... I want, to, I want to read this to you from Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be dis graced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, we've all sinned. We're all in the same boat. Yes, we have all come up short of God's glorious standard of perfection. We can't hit it. We can't be good enough. We might hit a target, but we're not going to hit the target. But God in His mercy, because of His love and His grace and for His glory, sent the Son of God to provide the forgiveness of God to remove that roadblock forever.
Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.